increase. Everything. That has, that everything that has life in it is made to increase. And then we talked about how that this body is the temple of the Lord. Uh, it is the storehouse of the Holy Spirit, we might say, or our spirit man. And so God wants our spirit man to be able to increase. We grow spiritually. I guess there's another way to say it. We just chose to say increase. Then you remember we read the parable in Luke chapter 12 about the man who fields brought forth abundantly and he had great store and he said, uh, I, don't, I have no place to bestow my goods. And you remember we mentioned there that a lot of times we don't have any place in our life to increase because we've not either made room for it or we've got too much stuff in there to hinder that. And and then he said, uh, i tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll build bigger barns, bigger storage places, because I'll say to myself, soul, take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry, because you have much laid up for many years. In other words, you, he, he was saying this, I don't need God, I don't need what God's got, I've got everything I need, I do not need anything else. Now, folks, a lot of Christians has come to that point. They're satisfied with where they are. They don't feel like they need anything else. They don't feel like they need more. But just like Moses, folks, I, I have been in this business for 48 years, soon be 49 years and of being a Christian and, and soon be 49 years of preaching. And I'm here to tell you, with all the studying that I've done, all the all the messages that I've preached, all the church services I've been in over these 49 years almost, I'm telling you today, I still don't have enough. I don't have everything that I want. I've not seen everything of God that I want to see. I've not felt His touch as many times as I want to feel His touch and the anointing of God. There's so many, so much more that I want. And sometimes I look at all these years I've been doing this, and then I sit down and I feel like I'm just starting. I feel like sometimes this is just the first day. This is just the first week. And, and that excitement begins to build back up in me because I want to go further and I want more than I ever have. So God wants to increase us spiritually. But our thought this week may turn to a little bit of negative thing because we're going to talk about things that hinder spiritual increase. Things that hinder spiritual increase. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say this to him. I want you to know, he's going to be talking directly to me this morning. <laughs> I tricked you that time, didn't I? <laughs> you know, it's so easy to judge people and think, boy, Somebody else needs this worse than I do, but I'm telling you, what we have to say this morning is something that applies to each and every one. In Romans chapter 8, we want to go here. Last week we began with verse 6. Today we're going to begin with verse 5 and re read through verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Now you need to, I want you to, Lock in on that verse. We're going to read some others. But lock in on that verse. They that mind the things of the flesh. We find out the flesh is equal to the carnal nature. 
and the carnal nature is opposed to God. You say, well, when I got born again, I don't have that no more. Well, bless your heart, you're not dead and in heaven yet either. Hello? You still have to deal with the flesh. And if you're not dealing with the flesh or this carnal nature, then one of two things has taken place. Either you've given up or you've gone on. Okay? I've not done either one yet, folks, and this is something that I, that these things are things that we deal with. So verse 6, for to be carnally minded, and it's talking about the same thing about the flesh, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, what we're talking about here is helping us to grow to where we're spiritually minded and not carnal minded. Now, that don't mean that God's going to take us out of this life. I don't believe you'll ever get so spiritually minded that you'll never be tempted or bothered with anything else again. But the more spiritual minded that we become, the easier it is as we go on through life to overcome these things, overcome situations, even in the physical realm, the spiritual realm, the mental realm, and the financial realm that we have not yet been able to conquer. But as we turn our thoughts and become spiritually minded, then we're able to do that. And the only way we can be that spiritually minded is by spiritual increase. Now, things that hinder spiritual increase. The first one I want to talk about is not being in the Word. Not being in the Word. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, he says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, what I'm saying is this, and it's what this is saying, that you as a Christian, you need to grow from the point of being a baby Christian for you become a mature Christian. You leave the things that baby do, babies do. You know what babies do, don't you? They drool and, and they cry and they want their way and they mess up their diaper and all of that kind of thing. And, and baby Christian people do things in the spiritual that's like that in the natural. And, and what I mean, you say, I don't poop in my diaper. No. But listen, spiritually speaking, you still mess up. Right? We still mess up. Baby Christians mess up. And, and, and what happens so many times when they do mess up, they feel like they've never been saved or they didn't get it or they've lost it altogether. And there's no hope. Why should I even want to go on? Folks, I, I lived through that kind of thing for the first five years of my Christian life. Pastor in a church. And, 
and just that kind of thing. Man, I just stayed under condemnation all the time. And I come up one day, and I finally realized that Romans 8, 1 was in the Bible. It says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That helped me understand that even if I do miss it, if I do get my diaper wet, messed up, if I drool on my bib too much, it gets wet, that God is there to help me and encourage me, and He has given me the Spirit of God so that I can change from being carnally minded, always messing up, to being spiritually minded and have my eyes on Him and walk with Him through life. But I've got to be in the Word. Now let me read on the rest of this. But strong meat, or the deep Word of God, belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, they become strong. They begin to grow up, and they're no longer just the baby Christian anymore. So many people, they read the Bible, and, 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 and what I'm fixed to tell you, you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible every day. But it need, needs to be more than just reading a few verses or a couple of chapters and then put it down and go on and, and just act like you hadn't been there. I, I was thinking about this this week. Uh, I started going to the gym, can't you tell? I have. I've been going. And, uh, boy, that gym is full of equipment. I'm telling you, they got these ellipticals in there, and they got rowing machines and bicycles and treadmills and all kind of stuff to build up your arms and make you strong. I mean, it's the, the place is full of it. But I'm going to tell you, now, I don't use it all. I've used a few of it. I've the elliptical, I've got that down pretty good, and I can last five, or five to seven minutes on it at about four mile an hour. I was on that thing other day, and man, I'm getting it. And here comes this guy, jumped on this other one. Excuse me. <laughs> on the elliptical a little bit, and went back to the bicycle and pedaled it some, and I went down here, and, and I, I pulled this, all these things, you know. I look, and I got looking around. I've not even used a fourth of their equipment yet. Now, I could go in that gym and sit down on a bench, sit there for 30 minutes, and leave. I can tell people I've been to the gym. I, I mean, I spent 30 minutes at the gym today. Get up and leave, and won't be one bit better off. Now, people do the Word the same way. Well, I read two chapters today. Well, how much of it did you take with you? See, if you're going to be in the Word, you've got to learn how to use the Word. And at the gym, they got instructors show you how to do this stuff. Now, I've not, I've not stooped low enough to ask an instructor how to do something. But I did ask Pastor Joey Coots because I knew he would have sympathy on me, how to do a couple of things. He goes there every day, and boy, he's got muscled up and all. And uh, and so I asked him to show me how to do a couple of things because there's things that I don't know how to do and how to work and, and, and all that kind of thing. But I'll learn it as I go along. But let me tell you something. It's only going to do me good if I continue in it, go to the gym, be in the gym, and use the gym. The Word of God is going to be good for me to be in the Word, continue in the Word, and then begin to use the Word of God. And as I begin to use it, 
I'm going to see myself growing spiritually, increasing spiritually because of the Word of God. You look at Jesus. He started His earthly ministry by being baptized in the Holy Ghost in the Jordan River and then went out to be tempted of the devil. That's something most of us do every morning when we wake up. Seems like we wake up and we go out to be tempted of the devil, right? But when he went out to be tempted of the devil, after 40 days of not eating, the Bible says he was hungry. We can't relate to that. Because for most of us, it's after four hours. You know, two hours. And we make statements like this, man, I'm starving to death. I hadn't eaten since breakfast. I jokingly said to somebody the other day, I said, you know, I, I fast every day, once a day. I fast from the time I go to bed till I get up in the morning. But he went out and he was, he was at starvation. Science says that when you've gone without food for 40 days, starvation does not set in until after 40 days of being without food in a normal person, not four hours. But the devil came around and tempted him. But what he did, he did not stand there and say, Now look, this is not going to work, devil. I am the only begotten Son of God, and you're going to have to, you just, there's nothing you can do. He didn't do that. Remember, I've shared with you time and again that when he came to this earth, he left all of that power in heaven, and he went about as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38 tells us that. Now, he was the Son of God, but he did not function on this earth as a Son of God until he went to the cross of Calvary and died for mine your sins. And, folks, that was Jesus, the God-man, that hung on that cross and died for you and me. But his earthly ministry, he did it as a man. How God, Acts 10.30, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And the way that he overcome the devil is the way that you and I will overcome temptation. He said it is written. Now listen, he knew what was written because he grew up going to the synagogue. He grew up in the Word. He grew up being taught. He grew up teaching. And when it came down to the point, not only did he know the Word, not only had he been in the Word, but he Use the word. Next time you get mad at the devil, well, don't wait to get mad. Just when you see him coming around working his junk, begin to use the word of God. I got a personal testimony just this past week. I went shopping with Loretta on Thursday. Picked out her new outfit for her. She, she thinks I'd do good with that. And I do. I'm pretty good on that. I have trouble with my own stuff, but I do real good with hers. But we were in belts, and I started feeling yuck. Not because I was in belts, but okay. <laughs> started hurting in my, my neck, chills across the back of my shoulders, like fever coming on. Just felt yuck, felt nauseated, head hurting, eyes burning. And I said, I'm not going to put up with this. I said, I tell you, Satan, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed. And I didn't go around hollering, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I said, by stripes, I'm healed. By stripes, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm healed in Jesus' name. She'd come out, how you like, that looks good, honey. By his stripes, I'm healed. Just went on and on and on. And, and it, we went and ate lunch. And, and I still, yuck, drove home. And I still, but I was confessing. 
By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. What I'm, what I'm doing, folks, not only had I been in the Word, but now I'm using the Word because His Word declares that He heals all my diseases. Well, I quoted that for you in Psalms 103, verse 3. He heals all my diseases. And we got home, and I went in and sat down in my favorite chair and went off to sleep, and when I woke up, I felt good. You say, well, I just felt better because you took a nap. No, I felt better because of the Word of God. Not only, if you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to begin to use the Word of God and confess the Word of God. That's the reason we confess the things that we do here, folks, is to help you to begin to get the Word of God and confess that in your life. So that as you do that, you begin to grow up and you no longer have need of, of milk. But now you're on strong meat. You're beginning to get into the deep Word of God. You understand the Word of God and you can use that Word of God in every situation. Amen. That's pretty good preaching, even if I am doing it. Another thing, or some other things that hinder spiritual increase, and this is stuff we really don't like, but it's strife and envy and divisions. Hinders spiritual increase. It'll hinder that in your home. It'll hinder that in your job. It'll hinder that in your own life individually. It'll hinder that in the church. It'll hinder that in the... Well, you know why, why this nation is so divided today? Because of the carnality that runs rampant in this nation and in the leaders of this nation. Selfishness. And it comes down because of envy and strife and divisions. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21... We have a list of the works of the flesh. And, and you know, also we have a list on down and begin in verse 22 of the fruit of the Spirit. Let me put it in perspective this way. The works of the flesh is what manifests when you are carnally, fleshly minded. The, works, the fruit of the Spirit is what manifests whenever you're endeavoring to walk in the Spirit. To mind the things of the Spirit. We could go back to Romans 8, 5 and said, He that minds the works of the flesh, that's what's in your mind, then these are going to happen. But whenever you're minding the things of the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit's going to come out. Okay? When you begin to allow the fruit of the Spirit to manifest in your life, folks, that is spiritual increase. But there's some things that hinders it. And, and, and you know, there's a great list of these things here. In Galatians 5, uh, 19, and it says, But now the works of the flesh are many, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now there's 17 here, works of the flesh listed. But this is not an all-inclusive list because he says, and the such like, meaning there's other things that could be added to this list. But as I was looking at this, I thought, well, you know, these first few here, I think most of us are pretty well past that point. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, 
these things we have pretty well got checked. Sexual immorality. Uh, other translation says that. And, and, you know, sexual immorality is any kind of a sexual relationship outside of a marriage relationship between a man and woman. Any kind of relationship that could be there. Gay, lesbian, homosexual, transvestite, marriage, uh, sex before marriage, sex out of marriage, any of these things could be listed in there. So I trust that we've all got that pretty well took care of, under control. Now let me tell you this, if you hadn't, and if you're still having trouble in these areas and you're not combating it and doing something about it, then the works of the flesh are going to manifest. But when we set our... I mean, you know how you can overcome these things more is through love. Fruit of the Spirit, love. A love that never fails. A love that keeps on going regardless of what may be taking place. A love that keeps producing love even regardless of what may be happening at home, at work, at church, in the nation, or anywhere else. But love will overcome these things. Matter of fact, James says that love will overcome a mul- or John rather says that love will overcome a multitude of evil. Well, love will, will conquer this. But I, w- I don't want to talk about all these, but there's two or three that I would like to mention. Because if you come down and see where he's talking about then, uh, after he does emulations, and that's sexual immorality and all that kind of stuff, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, or envious and murders. We won't go to the drunkenness. I, you know, I, I'm going to trust you to be sober. <laughs> okay. I was just wondering if anybody. <laughs> Can't tell sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Notice he says wrath, strife, seditions, that's divisions, heresies, envyings, Murders, drunkenness, revelings, and that revelings there it also has the name of strife involved in it. And out of this, I want to pick envy and strife because it seems like these are the things that so many people have much so much trouble with, and they work together in a lot of situations, and they will come because of offense. If I offend you and I don't do nothing to get it straightened out, even sometimes if I'm working to try to get it straightened out, then there's still strife that comes up. And then envy because of somebody else getting blessed a little bit better, somebody else got it a little bit better, somebody getting to do a little bit more at church, uh, envy begins to to come in there. Uh, Envy, uh, even in the home, because it seemed like the children love mama more than they love daddy, and, and that's not so, but envy begins to get involved in these things and in our personal relationships with each other. And then we have to deal with strife. Strife is contention and rivalry and scheming begins to take place. And I've seen that in churches so many times. But if you're, if you're dealing, or if you have these and not dealing with them, or if you're dealing with the temptation to overcome these, then... This envy and strife is in some pretty bad company. In Romans one twenty nine, and and you know he says here in Romans one beginning 
in about verse 21 or 22, he talks about how that people turn from God to all kind of ungodliness. And he says in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, there's your strife, deceit, malignity, and whispers. Now, envy and strife, it hasn't got good company in that situation, does it? So we need to we need to realize that. Also then, in Romans thirteen thirteen, he says this, talking about the last days, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. And, and see, in that Romans chapter 13, he said that that, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is your salvation nearer than when you first believed. And he talks about casting off the, the unfruitful works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And then he says here that we're not to walk in strife and envy. Folks, we don't have time to be out and down and mad at each other because Jesus is coming and we don't know when that's going to happen. And we need to be prepared and ready and working for Him. And strife and envy will keep us from doing the things that we need to do knowing that Jesus is coming back to this earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you, for you are carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? Think about that. Envy, strife, division, and the church gets carnal. The fruit of the Spirit don't work. They're not being produced. The gifts of the Spirit are not taking place because in our personal lives we have allowed envy, and strife to come in, comes in in the home. God's not able to work in the home where it's full of strife. God's not able to work at your job whenever you're constantly in strife with your boss or other employees at that. And God cannot work in a church relationship when people are continually at odds and strife and working in strife and envy and jealousy. You say, well, Pastor, we don't have none of that here. Well, good. Then y'all need to take a CD and send it to a church where they have that problem. Let me tell you something. Because we don't see something on the surface don't mean that it's not working under the surface. You got that? I don't know. Only thing, listen, only thing I know is God said to preach this. That's, that's what I know. And... Uh, and I've done some soul searching in myself because I don't want to be dealt with and, and, and looked at as some, being somebody carnal. And I'm not talking about the way you look at me. I'm talking about the way the Holy Spirit regards me. I want to be spiritual so that God can deal with me as a spiritual man and not have to deal with me as a spiritual baby. That's what Paul said here. I'm having to treat you like babies. I'm having to come over and wipe your mouth, put the pablum in, and make sure you get burped and change your diaper and all this kind of stuff. And the reason is is because you won't grow up. That's Paul, not me. I just used it in my words. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, it says, If any man teach otherwise, 
and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is the godless. What he's talking about here is people coming in. He told Timothy that they'd come in, they'd teach things that were not so. He is proud, verse 4, He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words. For of cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such turn away. Withdraw thyself. Now, when we, when we begin to take the Word of God and move the Word of God out of the Word of God so that it'll be all right with us, then the next thing you're going to see out of that is envy and strife and division. And you'll see it in your life, and you'll see it in the church. James chapter 3. He'd been in James chapter 3, he's talking about the mouth and the tongue and how that it talks and speaks and the situation that, that that can cause so many times. But in verse 14, he says, But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Bitter envy and strife. Wow. Now, he's adding a word to envy here. See, envy is, is characterized, and in the Greek language, it's talking about the jealousy of a husband that finds somebody else trying to mess with his wife. I mean, we read kill, right? Don't like this. I know some guy said, well, he's, she likes him better than me. Let her. No, 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 no. A husband that loves his wife, somebody else come along and start messing with his wife, <laughs> he's ready to pull out the armor <laughs> and, and take care of the situation. Now, envy here means that same kind of jealousy. A jealousy that drives to wrath and vengeance. But then when you put the word bitter in front of it, it's talking about something like apple cider vinegar. Now, see, not only have I been going to the gym, I've been getting up in the mornings and getting me a glass of warm water, and I put two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar in it and about a, a half a teaspoon of sea salt and about a half a teaspoon of lemon. I'm telling you, folks, I'm getting there. Stir that up and drink it. Mm. I'll have to admit there's been a few mornings I forgot to do it. Bypass the apple cider vinegar and water and went straight to the coffee. <laughs> that is not a pleasant taste if you've never tasted it. But they say it's good for you. Is that right, Sister Delane? Is that good for you? It's got to be as bad as it tastes. I mean, after three weeks, I've not even developed a taste for it. So, but anyhow, that bitterness of cider vinegar, that bitterness, just think of that. And that's what he's talking about here. And we, if we don't guard ourselves, we allow that thing to raise its head between husbands and wives. And it gets, they get bitter, they get out of sorts with each other, want to fuss and argue all the time, want to lay blame, want to, that kind of thing. And, 
And then, you know, it happens in every area of our life. And it's just as ugly as you can think about apple cider vinegar tasting and put that with the wrath of a jealous man, that's how envy affects people's lives. And it hinders your spiritual growth. Unforgiveness hinders spiritual growth. I haven't got a scripture for this because there's so many. You're just going to have to trust me here. But you know, Jesus said when you pray, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father which is in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. Unforgiveness, along with being offended, is probably two of the greatest hindrances that there is to spiritual growth, church growth, Harmony in the family the way it needs to be. Unforgiveness. See, wives not willing to forgive husbands of situation. Husbands not willing to forgive wives of situation. Children grow up holding things against their parents because they're not willing to forgive. And regardless of how many times somebody may come and ask forgiveness, people still not willing to forgive. And it, and it happens in the church. The Bible says that a brother offended is harder to be won than a fenced city. It's in, in the book of Proverbs. So, But here's the thing that we've got to do. If we're going to allow the love, the fruit of the Spirit, to overcome everything, then we there's two things that we've got to do in relation to forgiveness. Number one, if you want to grow spiritually, and you know there's something not right in your relationship with someone, if you want to grow spiritually, and you need to, you need to be increased spiritually, you need to go to that person and ask them to forgive you. The second thing that we need to do is if you're that person that someone asked us forgiveness, then if you want to grow spiritually, you need to get over yourself and forgive them. When you don't forgive somebody, then you're not realizing that God has forgiven you so much more than you could ever think about forgiving someone for. And here's another thing. When you forgive someone of something, don't bring it back up. Let it lie there. Do you know that when you have forgiven someone of something and you said these words, well, I forgive you, and you go to bringing it back up, you're employed by the devil when you do that. Because he's the one that's bringing condemnation into people's lives. And you've just allowed him the opportunity to use your mouth and your attitude to bring somebody under condemnation. You say, Preach, that's pretty hard. I know it. I had to deal with it too. So when, when people come, just like God, when you ask God to forgive you of something, God forgives it. And He don't bring it back up. He chooses not to bring it back up again. And so He don't bring it back up. I thank God that He don't. I thank God, that, thank God that He's not bringing back up stuff that I did before I got saved. I used to think He was. You remember that first five years I told you about? I'd be going along there, and all of a sudden I'd start thinking about something I did before I got saved, and I'd get down on my knees and ask God to forgive me of it. I'm done saved. That was back there. That was over yonder. And God had already forgiven me of that thing. Unforgiveness will hinder your spiritual growth. Forget for not asking forgiveness 
and not giving forgiveness will hinder spiritual increase in your life. You say, but pastor, I just can't do it. You may not can do it immediately, but if you'll begin to walk in love and allow the Spirit of God to lead you and help you in that, you can come to a point to where you can forgive them and it'll come in your life to where that it don't matter that it ever happened, and you're not bringing it back up, you're not beating them down with it, you're not holding them down with it, because, folks, when you do that, you're doing exactly what the devil does to you and I in our spiritual life. Final thing on this bitter envy and strife. Bitter envy and strife caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. You know, Y'all know who Joseph was. Y'all remember him? Now, I'm not talking about Jesus' daddy, earthly daddy. I'm talking about Joseph in the Old Testament, the son of Jacob. Jacob loved him. He was the, he was the son of his old age, and he loved him. And he made special provision for him. And in Genesis chapter 37, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto their, his father, their evil report. In other words, they were out there being rebellious. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Couldn't speak peaceably to him or speak peaceably about him. They plotted how to get back even with Joseph. I hear that same kind of thing. You know, we, we uh, sit around and we, we think about when we're strife and division between us and somebody else and a lot of unforgiveness going on. And we'll sit there and we'll get to thinking about it and we'll think about what we're going to do next time we see them. What we're going to say. I just hope they say something to me. People go to family reunions that way. I just hope they say something. I'll show them. Now, don't look at me so smug because we all know we entertain those thoughts, don't we? And any time their, their name comes up or the situation comes up, we don't speak peaceably about them or to them. Not one bit in the world. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren that they, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we are binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said to him, Shall thy indeed reign over us, or shall thy indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. You see, two times here we find that everything that went on, they hated him yet the more. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and his, fa- and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee in the earth? And his brothers envied him. And his father observed the saying. They envied him. They were jealous. And we know the end of that story because of their envy and strife and jealousy. They took Joseph one day and put him in a pit, took his coat, 
killed an animal and put the blood on it and sent it back to his father and said, the boy's dead. And then they sold Joseph into slavery. You say, well, didn't God have his hand in all of that? Well, I, I don't know that I can say that God had his hand in all of that except that Joseph did come to Egypt and he rose to second in authority to where he was able to take care of his family and his family came and bowed down to him and did obeisance to him. Now, when you are in strife and allow it to go on in your life, in your home, husbands and wives, listen to me. Parent, child, listen to me. Brothers, sisters, in the Lord, people at your workplace, listen to me. When you are in strife and envy and especially unforgiveness, you're selling people into slavery and you're holding them under bondage, putting yourself under bondage also. I know that's hard sayings. But folks, it's the truth. We've got to learn to allow the Lord to increase us spiritually so that we see the fruit of the Spirit. The works of the Spirit are hard. That work means hard, something hard. Don't just naturally happen. But fruit means something that's just naturally produced. Apple tree don't have to work to produce apples. It just does its thing. It produces fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. And he says there's no end to this, no law to stop it, no end to this. That's the fruit. Listen, folks, these things I talked about are hindrances. You know, we agreed last Sunday that some barns need some renovation, right? This is some things that needs to be got out in our lives to where it don't hinder. We need to be in the Word, growing and moving so that these things like this don't hinder us, but that we can see the flow of God in our life. That spiritual increase that God wants to do. Amen? You love me? Bow your heads with me for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Now I want us to just for a moment.